I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, welcome to a special taping from the Target Field press box closet. A very spacious walk-in closet with five metal lockers. Spacious, but a little stuffy. It's like 85. It's stuffy in terms of the the uh, the air content and in terms of the, the podcast yes. content that <laughs> you're about to There is a lot of to. pretension coming yes. your way. Uh, let's let's actually... St- okay, there's this twin season right now. As we record this, uh, the, they are returning home. Uh, however, it's a four-game series that could either completely break their season if it's not already broken seven games under 500 uh, or it could propel them back within range of the Indians in this uh, four game series against the Indians. but you were just downstairs let's do a little mix of uh, some breaking or developing news here with sure. Joe Maurer but I want to start with Jorge Polanco yeah. what was the quote from Derek Falvey Jorge Falvey. Polanco Falvey said that right now Jorge Polanco he's doing his work in extended spring training in Florida he's working with Sammy Perlazzo and uh, Falvey told us quote Jorge is uh Wreaking havoc on extended spring pitching yes. right now. And good he should be. He's a That's major a league sign. hitter. Yeah, he was re- wreaking so. havoc on major league pitching in the second half of last season. So yes. you got to start somewhere. Uh, uh, by the way, he's Derek Wetmore. I'm Phil Mackey. I don't know if we're good about doing that at the beginning of these episodes. We're really we're just, bad. We're very pretentious in the way we just assume that it's worse. you guys know who we are. I do Friday episodes by myself, Phil, and it's worse now because I like introduce it. Yeah, hey, this is Derek Wetmore, no Phil Mackey. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I say that every week, and it's never yet gotten a laugh. So here we are. Thank you for the, the live studio laugh. audience is just stoic. Uh, I have some news updates. We can go through them quickly, and it sounds like then you want to talk about number seven and number twenty-five. Yes. Um, Joe Maurer was working his way back to the lineup. In fact, I've had people tell me that there was an expectation that he could be ready to go today, Thursday, as we record this podcast. That's not happening now. Maurer went out for early work. He did some batting practice and fielding stuff, and just gradually, as the day went on, the workload pregame wasn't feeling it. Just It wasn't there. Some of the symptoms may have started to return, and it was just clear that he needed to back off. Is it true that he said he didn't want camera lights? If he said that, he didn't say that when I was around. Okay. I yeah. saw that from, I can't remember which beat writer, so okay. he mentioned that he doesn't well, I was he talking to the camera lights and... I was talking to one of his teammates, and then I turn around and see Joe Maurer talking to reporters, and I okay. thought, excuse me one second, I better go talk to Joe Maurer. Yeah. So if he said that it was before I got there. Yeah, I don't. I, my, my first thought was, okay, if he had some sort of a setback and or is still experiencing concussion symptoms, should he be speaking like well, publicly right now? Is right. It- let's let's get through the rest of the injuries, and then we'll talk about okay. Maurer, because that, that update is a little bit of a non-update. Like, it's sort of speculation at this point. He just, he's not feeling good. Yeah. But I'm told he's going to be on the bench tonight, which is interesting. He'll be in the dugout just sort of to see, hey, cameras and lights at Target Field and 30,000 or 15,000 fans. Uh, it'll probably be 30,000. It's the Indians. I'm just having fun. But, like, that matters. That's not, it, that's one thing that I I try to remember, too, when we watch the NBA all the time, Phil. It's like, yeah, he hit that corner three. Right, but he hit that corner three when it was so loud he couldn't even hear his own thoughts. And there's a six foot nine monster closing out with a hand in his face. It's different. And it's different for baseball, too. You're um, saying, in terms of sitting in the dugout, might sound to people like, okay, bravo, you're good sitting for in the you. dugout. 
But sitting in the dugout when there's bright stadium lights and there's ambience and yeah. there's noise. And I'll even take it trigger when, concussion syndrome, I'll take right? it another step further and say you can take batting practice in a major league stadium, but can you face Corey Kluber with 32,000 people screaming and twilight and focus in. and sure there's sure. there's there's a lot to it so we'll we'll dig into all that stuff but i want to make sure we give fans the rest of the injury updates too byron buxton dl broken toe still has the hairline fracture mris apparently showed nothing worse it's it's not that the toe got worse but i think phil i, I think that buxton was trying to tough it out and he deserves some props for that but then i think when he wouldn't or couldn't or whatever happened steal that base when he went to pinch run against the Royals. I'm guessing that precipitated a conversation that said, are you okay? Or like, do you need to be on the disabled list right now? Cause the twins are now also saying it's affecting his swing. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons he's okay. Give, give the, uh, now you've, you've triggered me I've on two different you. points here. So right. again, the Irvin Santana update, Irvin which San- is that they're going to amputate his hand, right? Yeah, that's pretty much the way the twin season's going. Cutting off his right arm at the shoulder. He's going to throw left-handed now. <laughs> well, he's got, the rest of this year on the contract, so he's got to make good somehow. You might as well try to learn it. Yeah. Irvin Santana, uh, finger swelling and soreness. Obviously, he's way behind the initial timeline that the Twins said, which was like maybe, first, right? maybe late April or early May. And here we are. It's May 31st, and he's had what's now being classified as a setback. Yeah, He's not going to continue his rehab. In fact, it's a serious enough setback. So he has a, a follow-up meeting with a hand specialist that he had already had pre-scheduled, one of the guys in New York that – Cut him up, I guess. And that was already going to happen, whether the rehab was progressing and he was about to make his major league debut this year, or uh, season debut, or or if he was just working his way through the minors, they were going to talk. Well, now that consultation is still going to happen, but they've pulled him off his rehab assignment. And the reason you know that's serious is that they can now, however long he has to sit and wait to be reevaluated for that swelling to go down, they can restart his rehab assignment clock. That's that's a significant setback. That's not just a trivial, uh, didn't take a step forward, back off a day, and see how it goes. If they're going to restart his rehab clock, I think that's a big deal. So yeah, um, more bad news. Yeah, let's okay. Let's circle back on uh, on Byron Buxton first, actually. Yeah, and we'll talk about Joe Maurer today too. Yes. So. And this, the, what I'm about to say, uh, it, it comes from, and I think you're right there with me. I've been a guy who's been buying Byron Buxton stock when everyone's been selling. Patience, patience, patience. This guy puts in the work. Uh, he's He's got MVP candidate written all over him at some point. I'm not all the way off the bandwagon, but I think what causes me to raise an eyebrow here is the notion that he's just been playing through excruciating foot pain and the team has somehow been oblivious to it or negligent or put him back out there sort of recklessly. I don't. I'm not saying that the foot is zero percent of the problem. I'm sure his toe still hurts like hell. Our friend Doogie from the Scoop podcast reported that he has been playing through a lot more pain than people know. So I'm not. I'm not saying that the foot doesn't bother him or that it doesn't have some sort of negative effect on his swing. But if you had a pie chart of reasons why Byron Buxton is being shut down right now and eventually will go face minor league pitching on a rehab assignment, to me it's probably twenty. To, this is just pure speculation. 20 to 30% foot, maybe 50% foot, but not 100% foot. Not 100. It's not 100% foot. Oh, He's be. lost at the plate. And and, the, and here's early stat of the week for you. Usually we save the stat of the week nice. until the end of the podcast. I like it. It's uh, it's May 31st right now, so most people will listen to this in June. 
So it will be June when you hear this stat of the week. Byron Buxton has reached base 17 times this year. And, of course, I threw that on Twitter and, like, five people, well, yeah, but he's been hurt. You're right. You're right. It's not as bad when you put it into the context of a sub-200 on-base percentage sure. in the games that he has The weighted on-base makes it look even worse because he's not getting extra base hits. Right. It's... So the saving grace here, you know, if you're just looking for reasons for Byron Buxton optimism is, okay, well, if if his foot was part of the reason why he wasn't able to hit worth a lick at all in the last two or three weeks, he can kind of take a step back go down, face some double-A, triple-A pitching on his rehab assignment, come back. But then you're just like, now you're into July. Mm-hmm. And it's the third straight season where he's at a completely lost first half, and he's yeah. 24 years old I was going to say, he's not 21 anymore. It's not 22. Yeah. It's, it, I say the same thing about Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano on a big-picture 10-year vision as I do about the Twins this year, and I did a month ago this year. And... Uh, May 1st, I think, was the day that I wrote the column and said, like, ah, gosh, tough to see him making the playoffs. And I, I think people at that time said, including my co-host on this podcast, said, well, okay, I see where you're going with this, but it's early. It's it's too early. It's not early anymore. This is no longer early in Miguel Sano's career. He came up in 2015. Yeah. It's not early in Byron Buxton's career anymore. And each of these injuries, I think you could look back and say, well, okay, crazy collision in the outfield. How could he fix that? So, okay, broke his finger sliding into a base. How? How? What are you supposed to do? Okay, crashed into a wall. I, uh, yeah, he's a little reckless, but like that's part of what makes him great. What are you supposed to do? And then in this case, obviously, fouled the ball off his toe and precipitated that with the migraine headaches, which is why he was in Florida in the first place. I would okay. argue if he could barrel the ball up, you wouldn't have to foul it off his foot more often. That's a cheap shot. Easier said That's than a done. cheap shot. It was unnecessary. <laughs> Maybe we should edit that out. <laughs> but I, I, none of these you could say, I think this is, this is where I'm going with this, Phil. I think some people might look at this from afar and say, eh, injury prone. Or like, eh, Byron Buxton's fast, but he's kind of a China doll. And I don't think that that's fair. I think that his career has been materially affected by long-term injuries and, like, you hate to say it like this, but they're kind of random. I mean, to an extent, they're random. Yeah, okay, if he wasn't a speedy center fielder, maybe he doesn't dive headfirst into one of his teammates in the minor leagues. But you get where I'm saying. Like, anyone could foul a ball off their toe. And who who would say, well, you know, a tougher player might not have broken his toe? Or well, what? I think fouling a ball off your toe is random. I think there's – not that he's to blame for colliding with a teammate or – I mean, he's somewhat to blame for running into walls at full speed, but he's, he's I don't reckless. know if you'd like ask him to think about that because that's part of what makes him a great center fielder. I think I would, but it, but there's an whatever it is, whether it's his fault or partially, there's an inherent risk with a player who's running that fast into walls, yeah. or in and around teammates in the outfield. I'd ask him to cool it on the crashing into walls, but that's not going to be a popular opinion. Um, let, let me ask you this, and I'll get back into what I think about Buxton's swing, but. Injuries to you. I'm talking player-specific and t- team-wide. Do you I, – I get the sense that they run in cycles and that sometimes you're just going to be bit. Like They say the injury bug, and it's kind of a stupid sports truism. It's, it's a cliche, and it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. In this case, I do feel like the Twins have to be due for some good news at some point, right? Like the, It's the gambler's fallacy where you just say, hey – Okay, bad news yesterday, bad news today, tomorrow will be good news. But I do think that's got to be coming, right? It's This is close to as as bad as a – if you were just to rack up the worst-case scenarios for the Twins going into the year, they're 
You're sitting they're, at they're it. in that bin You're right now. You're looking at it, yeah. Yeah. I, let me resp- I, there's a, I have a thought off of your injury point here. Let me first get a quick word in for uh, one of the one of the proud sponsors of the Touch 'Em All podcast and 1500 ESPN throughout the years, Luther Brookdale Toyota. If you're here in the Twin Cities and you're driving around, it's on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And what I love, if I can use a dumb baseball analogy, I love the fact that for years they've had the right players, they've had the right front office, they've had the right scouts, so to speak, and they just needed that new facility or that new stadium or that whatever practice facility to push them over the edge. And they got that about five or six years ago. Uh, So it just amplifies all the talent and all the expertise, and it amplifies just having some of the most durable, best vehicles in the world. Stop into that shiny facility on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Tell them Phil Mackey sent you. Uh, tell them 1500 ESPN sent you. And, and maybe ask to test drive one of these brand-new 2018 SUVs, a RAV4, which you can get into for $259 a month on a three-year lease, no money down. Or a little more spaciousness if you want that Highlander, 0% financing for 60 months. Again, it's Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Okay, on, on injuries real quick here. And this kind of dovetails into a Joe Maurer point. And, and Joe Maurer is another guy that I've spent a decade defending, which I think is ridiculous that you have to defend a borderline Hall of Famer in this town, but that's sort of where we are with him. Um, and, again, it's concussions. There's only so much you can do. You dive for a ball, or when you're a catcher, you take foul tips, and it's, what are you going to do? You get, you get your bell rung. It is what it is. But I think whether it's Buxton or Maurer, or on the flip side, a LeBron James who – in 15 years in the NBA has never missed significant time. He's never had a significant injury of any kind. And he's playing at this crazy durable level for 44 minutes a night in the playoffs at age 33. Availability is the most under-talked about, underrated attribute that an athlete can have. And sometimes I think you can – I mean, LeBron James was just born a horse, and he puts in all this extra work to stay healthy – and he hasn't suffered an unlucky ACL tear that some other guys. There's just there's an element of luck to it. But when you look up and down right now, the twin like Joe Maurer has had various injury issues throughout his career. Some of it's because he was a catcher, a six foot four catcher that just has a hard time body wise holding up to the grind. Byron Buxton, whether it's a reckless style of play in the outfield or just blind bad luck falling a ball off his toe. Miguel Sano, hamstrings, falling a ball off his leg. He's not available, right? The the Twins have had a major issue with players not being available, good players not being available throughout the years. Even Justin Morneau. And, and again, I'm not blaming Justin Morneau for taking a knee to the head at second base. Um, but I think if you're, whether it's 20% luck or 80% luck, if you're just constantly available, if you're Max Scherzer and you for 10 years have made 30 to 35 starts every single year and you're awesome, you rise up a peg in my book. Kevin Garnett. Until the very end when they sat him seven games when they were trying to tank like his second to last year with the Wolves. That guy didn't miss games. He maybe maybe missed a game per season for like seven years. Um, so, you know, the, 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 I don't know if, if there's things the Twins can do to, to work on that or if they're just unlucky. But availability has been a major problem for them throughout the years. Yeah, well, and one of the main reasons that two weeks ago it was not looking good for the Twins is because 80% of their infield was out. Joe Maurer, DL. Brian Dozier was there. Mm-hmm. Jorge Polanco, drug suspension. Miguel Sano, DL. Jason Castro, done for the year. Like That matters. Yeah. Well, and, well, just one, one more as it pops into my head here, sure. a cross-sport comparison. 
Sam Bradford might be a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Just, all right, one game, both guys are healthy, who's the better quarterback? I might say Sam Bradford. Like, look at when Sam Bradford has all the tools around him and he's got the Go coordinator. Ahead and say it. You can say arm talent. You can say it. Whatever, like, whatever it is, three, 353 touchdowns. Yes. But the reason why Kirk Cousins is the Vikings quarterback is because right. he's available for 16 games three straight years. Yeah, you can bet you're, on you're his buying knees. availability. You're buying his knees. Right. You're saying, all right, it, you are not going to make us start the guy behind you. And that happens a lot, and it happens in baseball. I just say, you say 20 to 80%, and I know you're just throwing those numbers yeah, out. Yeah, I'm like, making them But what if it's 97%? That's, that's what I'm getting at, that like um, Miguel Sano could probably take better care of himself. Byron Buxton, I'm not sure that he could. I'm not sure Byron Buxton could do anything about the fact that, well, toe's broken and you were trying to gut it out and it didn't work. And your swing's a mess, which, by the way, he shouldn't be excused for that. If if your toe hurt bad enough that your swing's that bad of a mess, someone needs to say something because when your weighted on base average is in the toilet like Byron Buxton's is, I don't care how fast you are in center field. There's only so much value you yeah. can add back defensively if you're not going to add anything on the bases and you can't get on base. Did you say 17 times this year? He's been on base. This doesn't count errors. but So he's between walks, hit by pitch, which he hasn't been. He hasn't even Roger Dorned his way on to first base, like, which is a reference you'll get as soon as you watch Major League. One It'll of these great. days I'll report back to you. Yeah. But it's like 14 hits and a couple of walks, a yeah. few walks. And like, don't you think, too, that, and I and this is a short-term criticism for a front office that I, I love long-term, Byron Buxton's not good enough if he's sort of banged up and also hasn't faced major league pitching in like two or three weeks to just roll out of bed and without a rehab assignment and just go back into the lineup. I agree with that. I think that, and, and I don't have this on good authority, but just my perception from reading the tea leaves and, you know, following this team, somebody must've gotten awfully sick of watching Robbie Grossman chase fly balls to the wall. <laughs> yeah, all of us did to basically say, <laughs> I don't care if Byron Buxton's timing is off and he will never get a hit against a major league slider. I shouldn't say never because he did get one hit in this last. But what, he was, he is so lost at the plate that this just isn't going to work. And that's okay because him being in center field means Robbie Grossman is not playing a corner outfield spot. I, like, I, I've defended Grossman in the past. Obviously, the bat's not been there this year, and the glove's basically never been there since he got to the Twins. But I think that watching their re- sub-replacement level players play outfield defense, somebody panicked, whether it was the manager or the front office or both, and they agreed, yeah, forget a rehab. Plus, the last rehab assignment he went on, he broke his toe. Yeah. We don't want him going. I think that there are multiple multiple pieces to that. But It's but- also okay to say, you know what, this might have been a mistake by the Twins, but it doesn't mean that they're all incompetent. Sometimes yeah. we joke. Uh, front office a makes mistake. a mistake, right. and and people are quick to say, "Bunch of idiots!" Uh, you guys keep praising the Wonder Boys, like, yeah, I mean, it's, they're they're gonna make mistakes, yeah. and maybe this was one of them, yeah. Or they like at, trade deadline last year, they made a mistake with the facts that they had. Fine, you can't really argue with the decision making process, but hindsight being what it is, we now know. You and I have argued about this before. I'm not sure we're gonna agree on this today, so let's just move on. But like. I think that they made a mistake. You would have been better off if you had Brandon Kinsler, Jaime Garcia, and one more piece than to say, all right, let's go try and let's give it to them with our B-plus lineup or, you know, subtract at the trade deadline and then go into the playoffs. 
with the benefit of hindsight, we can say they made a mistake on Byron Buxton, and that's okay. Yeah, right. Move on. I think it's concerning long-term that, that Buxton's – bad Buxton has reappeared at the plate, and I don't know where you go from here. I'm still – you can't have any of my Byron Buxton stock. I'm not selling any of it at a discount right now, but you do get a little nervous that, like, okay, I thought he was past this. I thought he was a superstar, and now he came back and he's – a defensive superstar that can't hit. I, I do think that that is cause for concern long term. Yeah, I mean, if you had to, in in some odd sports book where they only allowed you one bet and two options, and there was like okay. a gun to your head for some reason, a lot of illegal activity at this <laughs> sports book, <laughs> right. and and you had to place a large chunk of your savings on either Byron Buxton being a fourth outfielder long term, or a multi-time All Star. I think I would still go multi-time All-Star. I would. I wouldn't hesitate. But I'm okay. I wouldn't hesitate. Just because if, it was, if those were the only two options, yeah. you wouldn't hesitate. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly because I want to project confidence while somebody has a gun to my head. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I also I wouldn't like. I think uh, like either Eddie Rosario or Max Kepler could make the All-Star team for the Twins this year. Um, but you look at the next eight years. Yeah, I, I still think that Byron Buxton makes multiple All-Star, especially because he's a household name now. Everybody knows, you know, tw- people who don't follow the Twins, if you're a Mariners fan in Seattle, how many Twins games do you watch? But name the Twins. Yeah, you're give, right. I, I suppose your first five Twins. It's Joe Maurer, Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano. If he gets hot for the first two months of the year and people know who he is and he makes a bunch of nice catches, he could sort of Mike Cameron his way in. Uh, Mike Cameron from an was early a early two thousands reference there. Yes. Uh, the, the other thing too that it's just with 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 all of the the bad luck and and poor lineup performances. What what was the what was that in two thousand seventeen where people were running around the country for the that eclipse? What was the name of that? Remember what I'm talking about? The where people uh, were like driving halfway across the country to find yeah, the perfect spots the, for the eclipse, right? right? So the twins have something similar. It's when four starting pitchers all have an ERA under four. <laughs> it only happens like once every three decades. Uh, and you have to buy special glasses to be able to watch <laughs> you, you it. You do. The last time it happened yeah. was was 1989. Frank okay. Viola and Rick Aguilera as a starter. They were actually in a trade for each other. So these four guys, Alan Anderson, I think, led the league in the area that year. Um, so they weren't all four in the same rotation. They were just in the rotation for ten or more starts. Okay. At some point throughout the year. Because oh. Aggie came over in a trade for Viola uh, with the Mets that year. But anyways, up until last night when Fernando Romero gave up nine runs yeah. in uh, an inning plus against the Royals, Oof. his ERA is now just over four. They had, through the first two months of the year, four starting pitchers with an ERA below four. Barrios, Odorizzi, Kyle Gibson, who looks like you were at the end of the year last year. Your instinct yeah. was dead on on that one. Um, and Deadspin had a big ode to Kyle Gibson's slider this week. Really? Showing like a bunch of a bunch of gifts as to how lights out it is and how it's been statistically the most difficult pitch to hit in swing the league. And miss, yeah. yeah, he's got like a sixty five percent swing and miss rate. Uh, but anyways, they're kind of wasting one of the better pitching staffs. They don't have that Johan Santana at the top, but one through four or one through five lately with the way Lance Lynn's kind of turned it around. Oh. And they're seven games under. They're wasting one of the better collective starting staffs they've had in a long time. Yeah, the starting staff is good. The bullpen's okay. The offense has been, you know, house pet fecal matter for the last two weeks. And I don't 
I don't see a quick fix for that. Like, Sano's a swing and miss guy, and it doesn't look like he's locked in right now. Brian Dozier hasn't gone on a Brian Dozier hot streak. Kepler and Rosario have been great. Escobar's been great for the most part. Logan Morrison struggled early and has been pretty good. And then what? Then you're counting on, you know, Bobby Wilson and Gregorio Petit and A. Ray Adrianza and Robbie Grossman, who's been bad this year. And Byron Buxton was an automatic out. We might have to burn our Team Grossman t-shirts. We're always going to have 2016. It's, it's, I, yeah. I have some – I have some uh, – a Robbie Grossman story for you someday, but today's not the day. This is more of a, wow. this is a Byron Buxton. You just teased a Robbie Front? Grossman story for hey. a future episode. D- if people, there's a reason for you to tell your friends about this podcast. We already gave away the stat of the week. <laughs> if there's one reason to hang around and download next week, you might hear a Robbie Grossman story. Um, I do want to circle back on Joseph Patrick Maurer because uh, he was quietly very good and you know, I don't know if he would have made the all-star team again or not, but like Joe Maurer was one of the better things that this team had going for it in April and into early May. And then it looked like he was maybe working his way back. And now today we showed up at the park and it's bad news. What's your, I guess, lay of the land? How do you look at this and say, Joe Maurer in the final year of his twins contract, by the way, I'm sure you yeah. haven't forgotten that. Now he's spotty with difficult concussion issues that we we don't know what's going on. Basically, I don't. The, the variable here with Joe Maurer's future is, I think we can sort of gauge how Derek Falvey and Thad Levine and Paul Molitor would feel about it. We can obviously gauge how we feel about it, and and we we don't know what Joe Maurer thinks about his future. We don't know if he's leaning toward calling it a career after this contract is up. We don't know if he'd be willing to play somewhere else, and if the decision just comes down to, hey, the Twins are just gonna—they're just gonna move on, and and Maurer doesn't want to play for the Angels or for, sure. you know, God forbid, like the Marlins need a stop stopgap first baseman, and Jeez. although he does have a home in South Florida, so probably I guess okay. he would be close to to his uh, multi months out of the year home. If you would have asked me three weeks ago, what's the smart money on Joe Maurer's future while he was in the lineup healthy? He was, and he still has a 400 plus on base percentage. I would have said, I think he comes back. I think he plays two or three more years. I think he comes back with the Twins. Uh, He'll play 120, 130 games, and he'll sign for a fourth or a third of what he made on his previous contract. You ask me now that he's going through another concussion thing here, um, I'm very 50 50. I wish we knew more about what he wants for the future. Sure. Because he hasn't talked much about it. You can ask players. Tom Brady will say, I want to play till I'm dead. Yeah. And and you ask Joe Maurer, and I don't even know if I, – I guess you're in the clubhouse all the time. I don't even know if that's a topic that yeah. comes up with him. But yeah, for he, sure. does he just kind of blow it off? Has, uh, he, has he said, I'd like to play for another three or four years? Yeah. He doesn't have a specific timeline or plan in place, it sounds like. He is very much – and this is going to sound cliched. But forgive me. Very much day-to-day, week-to-week – uh, we asked him about it in spring training, and he's like, it was like he was surprised by the questions, by the line of questioning. Well, well, yeah, it's my last year, of my contract, but like, I'm happy. I like it here. If I'm in the lineup, and they still think I'm a valuable player, yeah, like I want to be here. I want to keep playing. He did say 
After Ichiro came out and said that he wanted to play till he was 50, Maurer did confide in a few reporters that he does not plan to play until he's 50 years old. Okay, so we know that. And so that part that. has okay. been nailed down. That's huge. But I think It'll that's... be tough for him to get to 4,000 hits that's then. Right. <laughs> that's right. There is there's so much, <laughs> I think, that's dependent on how the rest of the year goes, both from a Twins perspective and from a Joe Maurer perspective. And, you know... Hey, if he comes to the park tomorrow as of this recording and he's feeling great and they activate him from the DL and clean sailing for the rest of the way, then fine. But if this is kind of always touch and go, having to constantly nurse your body and guess what your brain is going to do the next day, like that's a stressful existence. And so I would have said – I heard Royce joined your guys' radio show this week and you asked him, what's your gut? Joe Maurer play next year or is he hang it up? And Pat says he thinks he's going to retire. Mm -hmm. This has been a good run, you know, retire and be for sure a Twins Hall of Famer. And then maybe, maybe you hope the committee comes around and sees you as a Hall of Famer someday. Maybe he doesn't even care about that. I don't know. Pat said his gut says Maurer's going to hang it up. And I, I don't think I'm there yet. I still think if he's this productive and yeah, he's only a first baseman. So you got to kind of, you got to kind of say, yeah, but he's very productive, but it's, I mean, Logan Morrison can be productive too. Would Joe Maurer sign a two-year $12 million deal with a mutual option? I have no idea. I think so much of that is going to depend on how the rest of the season goes for him health-wise. And if he's fully healthy or healthy enough that he can continue to be productive, I think I'd be pretty surprised to see him retire. Right. Uh, a quick, quick couple of plugs before we wrap up this episode. There are two podcasts among many on our 1500 ESPN collection, which you can find all of them, Raised by Wolves, The Crafty Rogues, if you're a soccer fan, Minnesota United, and you just like funny guys with funny accents. That's on 1500ESPN.com. But specifically, the Purple Podcast and The Scoop, I think, are at an all-time high level of content right now. Matthew Collar is cranking out all kinds of great stuff on the Purple Podcast, and Doogie has home-run guests and big-time inside information on a regular basis. So uh, the Scoop, Purple Podcast, and all kinds of other 1500 ESPN audio, uh, digital audio content brands on the website. My plug would be, if you're listening to the podcast, you've heard me talk about this, my Facebook page, Derek Wetmore MLB. Fridays we do a show. If you're listening to this Thursday night or Friday morning, check us out. I'm going to do a live Q&A session on Friday before I head to the lake for the weekend. So that'll be – but it's every Friday, it, you know. If you miss this one, that's fine. You can watch the replay. Check out the Facebook page for where you can get your questions in because I know a lot of people, they ask us questions for this podcast, and that's really your opportunity there is I, I take basically all questions, cheap shots, whatever. Uh, make it fun of me for my predictions, totally fine. I welcome all that stuff. In fact, you, you, if, if you're going to submit an actual baseball question, it should be mandated that you also have to submit a cheap shot. Yes, yes. I, I've taken food questions. I've taken Scarlett Johansson questions. I've taken baseball questions. We kind of run the gamut on that show. Um, so anyway, that's where that's where I try to drive people to. If you want to come hang out on Fridays over your lunch break, talk some Twins baseball, even uh, even though I've already called them dead for the year. We're still going to do those every single week. Cool.